Welcome back to MetaMemes. If you've made it this far, I am amazed. <laughs> so congratulations. Um, Co-hosts Matthew and myself, Ben, otherwise known as P.Dot and Mimi, but they'll be interchangeable words as we go along. I suppose normally at this point you're supposed to say what you've been up to this week, how you're managing with COVID, but I think we're both agreeing on that being a saturated market and how we should just skip over that. Yes, yes, no more COVID chapters. Very good. I was going to ask you about how your job and furlough had gone on, but when you sent me your notes that you'd obviously spent an intense amount of time researching, that answer <laughs> <laughs> So we can move on from that as well. Um, so continuing on our format, one meme chosen a week is by Matthew this week, so I'll, I'll let you kick off and explain that one. Yeah, righto. So, um, Basically, last week, as a lot of people know, meme lord Elon Musk had a baby, um, and <laughs> he named his baby um, something, well, as we all know, it's X-A-E-A-12, um, pronounced X-A-S-H-A-12, apparently. Um, so there's a, a very topical meme that I found, um, which is originally from the Is This a Pigeon anime meme? But it's, it's cropped Elon Musk's head on um, and it has, instead of where the butterfly is in the top right hand corner, it's got a, a secure keychain password um, <laughs> hint, which is a letter, which is several letters and numbers in a random order. And the text at the bottom is, is this a baby name? <laughs> and I thought that was a, a very topical, um, topical meme and it made me laugh. Um, so that's the one I've chosen for today, Mimi. It is a classic meme, isn't it, as well? There's, it's been around for a while, actually. It's, it's a long-standing one in the game. Yeah, so, well, I did some research, um, pre-pod, obviously, and, yeah, so it's been used for so many different memes over the course of its time. It's first broadcasted 27 years ago, and um, the actual anime is from the Japanese version of Transformers called The Brave Fighter of Sunfire Bird. Um, but yeah, it's, it's had multiple iterations from, um, oh, I don't have any examples actually, so I'm not going to continue down that line. And funnily enough, that, think that links back into the Elon Musk specific meme, because I've seen sub-memes since the child has been born of how Elon Musk's child just turns into the Transformer and just flies away yeah. if he's like annoyed at school or something along those lines. Um, so there's another ironic link to that meme that we didn't even realise. Look at all these links. It's working out perfectly, sort of. Um, but the reason I chose this meme is because I think it leads into a deeper topic. I'm going to be talking about artificial intelligence today. So I've been watching a lot of Westworld recently, um, which has sort of sparked the desire for this conversation. And obviously it worked out nice timing-wise with Elon having his, having his baby kid. Um, just a bit of a tangent before we start the real chat. I really enjoy the memes that are claiming <laughs> that the name is pronounced Kyle. <laughs> there needs to be, if there's not one that's linked to like monster and punching walls in, you know, <laughs> that needs to be added quickly, if not. What, I don't know not a lot about Elon Musk. So company-wise, is he, he's got a lot of stuff obviously in tech. Is there anything AI specific that he's working on? 
Well, so his main thing uh, is Tesla, which is uh, obviously the cars. Um, and they actually are have a massive component of AI in them. So not only are they electric, um, they're actually, they can be self-driven and just using camera systems. I think they've got about eight or nine cameras in every car. Um, I don't know the legality of it yet, um, but just by using the cameras and they know all the, the, the rules of the road, they can navigate around car parks, back streets, highways, and the claim is they can get you all across America without you having to use any of the controls yourself, which is pretty cool. So that just kind of shows how AI is starting to integrate more and more in our everyday technology. Um, I suppose it's, in terms of the inception of AI, it partially depends on like how you quantify it. So like if you think of the first computer, which takes me back to what's the film with Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch? Um, yeah. Um, the, the imitation game. Fantastic film. I watched that the other day, actually. What, do they, what does he name that computer that he makes? Can you remember? Bertie. No. Christopher. Christopher, that's it, yes. And so I suppose that technically is a form of artificial intelligence. Is that right? Um... Well, it depends what you class as artificial intelligence. I mean, that had, and this is where... I mean, it's, done, it's done something that a human brain could not achieve. But then it was the only thing that it could do. It was only built for that one purpose. True. To do that one task really, really, really well. Um, but so, I yeah, I don't know. Where do you, like, is a computer then artificially intelligent or... I had a good example once. If you think of a... Tom Tom as a computer, which it is a form of computer, um, to my knowledge, they now have the ability to say there's a massive traffic jam on the M6. A basic computer, I suppose, would send everybody away from the M6, but actually now it will choose to take certain percentages of people away from the M6, but keep others on the M6 as a form of higher level intelligence, if you see what I mean. Fair, so it's learnt then, hasn't it? It's learnt that if you send everyone one way, there's going to be another traffic jam, which I think that is the inherent and important part of artificial intelligence is where the machine or computer can can learn something without it being encoded into it from a human. So I'd say undoubtedly Christopher would be the inception. You couldn't have artificial intelligence without that stepping stone. So that's what, 1940s? Well, it was the first computer, so it couldn't have computers without that. Which you wouldn't, which you wouldn't think oh, artificial intelligence kind of began in the 40s that long ago. But really, I suppose I'd kind of say that was probably its birth. Which is so long do you know the, first, the, the first time the term artificial intelligence was coined um, was in the year 1955. So that's early as well for us to even comprehend that. And I suppose that's one of our questions to tackle today um, is will AI ever be able to overtake or even replicate humanity? What have you, have you got your initial thoughts? Um, well, I think you mentioned it in our preamble prior to recording was if it's more that AI and humans kind of merge together to make, be it kind of a, a superhuman 
species, which I feel like is the most likely outcome. I know we we all love to fantasize about the films where it's AI versus humans, and you know it's kind of one or the other. Um, but I don't know. Without knowing much about it, I feel like the subtleties of how AI is developed into life, be it with your medical advances and humans striving for that eternal life, the ability to live forever and live, you know, disability free for as long as possible. Um, I think that's where it seems to be heading to me, which is dangerous in many aspects when you've obviously got a, a steep socioeconomic gradient that could easily create, you know, that superhuman species whereby they have access to things that the vast majority of us won't. That's kind of my main concept at this stage. Yeah, well, it's kind of um, inevitably going to be heading that way because it's already been heading that way in terms of us merging more and more with technology. So, for example, now, like, you've got your earbuds that you just can stick in your ear and they don't need a wire. They're sort of like part of you then. You've got your phone that's always in your pocket and it's like an extension of yourself. And you've always got, like, unlimited information at the tip of your fingernails. And that's sort of, that's been the first step. And then, so, I mean, to bring it back to Elon again, um, one of his, another company is, is called Neuralink. And they're... um. I was reading up a little bit about that before this, and it's basically like a chip in your skull um, that attaches to the neurons. So, if like it's in, it's initially designed for people who are like paraplegic or um, brain dead, that sort of thing, where they they've got no hope with current medicine. They implant it in your skull. They connect the wires up to your neurons that aren't firing properly. And then the claim is that they can get a paraplegic to be able to walk again completely. And that's sort of the same first step as in the initial thing is for well, it's for medicine. But then once it goes further than that, like Elon Musk even said himself that he'd be one of the first people to get it when it's not just for a medicinal purpose. And he is obviously a billionaire. So it's sort of, the same thing with any industry, like any cutting edge industry or thing like that, like space travel, like the first people in space will be billionaires. The first people to get implanted chips will be billionaires. Um, so then, yeah, it does create more of a divide, but then, oh, I don't know, I think you'd like to think it would even out by the time that you mass produce the, the software and the hardware that make you superhuman, that it would even out a little bit as it has done with phones and computers and laptops. I can't help but think when it comes to health, there's always been a socioeconomic gradient. And if anything, it's got, I mean, I suppose the 20th century saw vast improvements in healthcare at the bottom of the scale. When you think of immunizations in the UK, the national health system, access to free healthcare, um, all those kind of basic advancements that have brought up the bottom level so much. However, there still is a recognized social gradient, which doesn't just affect the top top versus the bottom, but wherever you are along that scale. Um, yeah, I suppose it's an interesting debate in the next hundred years or however, we'll certainly see where it takes us. Um, else you want to add on him? Otherwise, I know he loves memes, which is, Big thing for mentioning him in the podcast. 
He's also got, there's a few other memes that have got him in it. Is there the one where he's smoking weed in like a recording studio? Yeah, I think that was the first time he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think he just, I don't know if it was like he'd never smoked weed before. We just did it for the bants, but yeah, it's like the you know with the sunglasses and then he bought like gangster like music it. of yeah. like those <laughs> common memes. Um, but yeah, no, I think he. I mean, that's all I really think we should say about him. First. I think he's a bit he's, of a ledge, but I think we just say yeah, we need to thank him because he's contributed a lot to the meme industry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprised he's not your hero. To be honest, I know. Yeah, I don't know what's happened there either. No, uh, no. A couple more. Well. Just another on the AI front. I thought a, a funky example of that. Um, oh, funky. Well, I thought just a, just a novel one was the. Some of our older listeners might remember Deep Blue, which was an IBM created chess computer that in 1996 had televised uh, matches against the reigning world champion of the time called Gary Kasparov. Um, and actually won the first game against Gary Kasparov, but then subsequently the next four rematches drew and lost to a piece. Um, but nonetheless, is a very interesting example of how AI was developing to be able to, you know, play complex games with God knows how many different potential moves and outcomes and changes depending on, you know, how the player against them responds. Um, so that's, I think that would probably be seen as quite an interesting benchmark for computers and AI in particular. Um, it kind of goes back to AI being really, really, really good at one specific thing. So uh, another example that I read about, kind of similar to that, um, is with AlphaGo. So it's with DeepMind and it's, you know, the, the, it's like the board game called Go. Um, Really, really old. I think I think it's like the first, was maybe the first board game. I don't don't quote me on that, but it could be the first board game. Um. Anyway, um. Basically, that AI, that machine, has enough information encoded into it that it is impossible for it to lose to a human because it's played itself enough times, millions and millions of times, enough times that it knows the corresponding move to beat you no matter what your move is. Um, and I think a similar sort of thing, it was actually South Korean Go champion, Lee C. Doll. Um, he actually retired from the Go playing industry because of the AI, because he said, even if I get to the best ever, there's still something that can never be beaten. Um, which kind of just shows that they when they are encoded, well, that's the difference. That's the, diff- the tricky bit with AI. Just, it can be really, really smart at one thing. So it doesn't make it conscious because for hum- when we're conscious as humans, then we are very, very good at lots of things. And the learning curve, when you're a child, you learn lots of things really fast. Whereas AlphaGo, DeepMind, um, all these sort of things, they can't, learn anything that they're not encoded to learn so i suppose the principle of it is if a artificial intelligent computer or whatever it is can be created such that it has the learning ability for any anything from scratch if it has the capability to then learn quickly 
that's that's the key to it all, isn't it? Because although you say humans can be good at lots of things, think how long it takes us to get good at things and how we actually have to specialise, be it in a sporting environment or employment or anything else. Actually, how limited you are in the number of things you can become very good at um, and that specialisation. Even if you think how long it takes a child to walk, which is arguably the most complex neurological process that your brain actually ever has to do, that takes you about a year on average. It's a long time, if you think. And surely artificial intelligence at some point will be able to far accelerate that learning process. You always hear the 10,000 hours get banded about for sport, which is basically, you know, from a very young child to adulthood. It's, a, it's an extensive period of time, but once something is built that can learn at a much quicker rate and start from scratch on any given topic that it's put in front of it, that's when I think AI can far exceed an individual human just on range and speed of learning. I'm not so sure. Into well, for a start, I, well, at the minute, I don't. Well, I don't know if it'd ever be possible for it to have the starting point of the capacity to learn as wide variety of things as a human can. Because you or I, if we wanted to get averagely good at most things, we could probably. Do it. I want to learn language. I want to play the guitar. I want to play football. Play. We could get averagely good at a lot of things. Whereas a computer or an AI, it doesn't have an intuition. So for us to learn something, if we're doing like a um, a puzzle, or we see you, I see you do something, you do it wrong, then I change the way I do it to try and do it right. An AI wouldn't have that because it has to go through all the moves. And it has to see for itself like all the possible chess moves that will result in it winning or go moves. So in that way, it could take as long, if not longer, because we... But I think that's that's exactly the same principle as how we learn. We learn from mistakes, losing, be it in sport, the wrong outcome, and then you kind of use that and then that feedbacks into your loop of trying again. I think that's exactly the way that AI kind of learns. I think that's how Deep Blue kind of works. Every time that it plays, it got better the next time, which in theory is how humans should be if you use that, that information in the right way. It's, it's learning from errors, isn't it? It's the same concept, I think. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people I mean, are naturally cautious of AI. And I think there's also a natural almost cognitive distance to, to say, oh, but humans, because we've always been held up, haven't we, in the animal kingdom as, you know, having this ability with consciousness and learning that oh, nothing else can come close to it. When actually, I think if you look in most forms of life, be it safety in the aviation industry, Pilots do very little compared to what they used to, and the safety record has got exponentially safer. The same thing will probably happen with cars, although people are cautious of it. It's the same principle. Um, So I think if you look at those examples, also in a medical industry, I'm sure you could find similar. um, I actually think we underplay how quickly AI could become far more efficient than us manufacturing another example. Yeah, that's not what 
I'm doubting though. I, de- I, I, but those all those machines that you just described were in singular industries. Whereas if you apply that to wide ranging, like have you ever seen the 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 videos about the robot dogs that can barely they can just about walk, but then if you like push them over slightly, they just they completely malfunction and they can't do anything. I think that's sort of one thing that humans have. I don't know why I'm sticking up for humans here, but one thing we have is the ability to like intuit situations and um, without having to actually make all the mistakes. But yeah, obviously the mistakes help, like they help you improve, but I don't need to make the same mistakes that you made and I can still improve by watching you or by, I suppose it's information input as well, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of crossover. Um, yeah, without, again, without knowing huge amounts of where AI is currently going, all I can take into it is look how far computers have come in 10 years, let alone, remember when we were kids and we had like the AOL dial-up? Yeah. Like, you know those memes where it's like, uh, without saying your age, state something that indicates your age. I think that's, that's one for our generation. Because if you're five years younger than we are, you'll never even know what that AOL dial-up sound was. And if you do know, it's definitely running through your head right now. <laughs> and like Wi-Fi, we didn't have Wi-Fi. And if you think how far phones have come, even since we finished like school, how far phones have come, it's like crazy. So I think, again, that increase is exponential in terms of AI and computer systems. So God knows where we'll be in five years, let alone 50. Well, that's what people are scared of, is that it is this increase that is heading towards, they call it the singularity. Um, And from that point, that's when we can't control the increase anymore. And that's when it's the, the, the concern is that the AI will, or the technology will essentially take over humanity because we, we've just... Without realising. Yeah. Um, yes. I, suppose, I suppose we're already slaves to our phones, aren't we, really? Like, children nowadays are always on their iPads, are already a slave, like... And that's what, another interesting one, like the Facebook algorithm and how there was a study done and Facebook was able to predict, like, you know, personal questions about someone more than a best friend once you had like a certain number of hours used on Facebook or a certain number of friends and likes. So basically the artificial intelligence was able to answer questions about you better than your best friend of 10 years kind of thing. Because um, again, it's just information gathering that it can just, it can store constantly every like, every page you visit, every person you search etc etc just builds and builds and builds that picture that a human brain can't kind of keep hold of can it yeah well it's perfect recall i suppose of ai like when it's memories of well, it's it's literally all the information it's ever learned is stored in it it's kind of like how i think we mentioned it last episode um kind of when humans kind of created the ability to write stuff down then suddenly the information that civilizations as they grew could store, be it, you know, taxes, population, debts owed, et cetera, et cetera, 
or you know be it writing down maps suddenly that's when human civilization started to take off because we weren't limited by the capacity of a human brain to store memory so that's probably quite a nice example of the two yeah um i suppose i think the one thing that kind of bringing that little mini subject to a close is the one thing that humans have that we still do not understand how is our consciousness well that's sort of like what is consciousness how do you how do humans have it moreover than other species because i know there's obviously some very intelligent species out there that build you know interpersonal relationships and families and what have you but they still don't have the ability as we do to ask ourselves why i suppose to be that philosophical nature but then the question is I suppose will or well, firstly you can't ever it's like oh, consciousness is an issue even for humans let alone for ai so we don't even know first we don't really know if ai can ever get consciousness in case it is just in the human brain but then attached onto that is the issue that we don't even know if anyone else is truly conscious so like it leads to like the zombie problem and we don't know i don't really know what's going on in your brain i can only understand what's going on in my head clearly um but no so like we so we then begs the question if we can't ever prove that any other human is truly conscious how could we ever prove if ai ever gets so advanced and intelligent that it ever gains consciousness or it's just encoded in such a way that it deceives us into us thinking it's got consciousness which is what you do every day to everyone <laughs> that just went completely over my head as well so that probably sums up consciousness quite well <laughs> um if only we knew the meaning of everything I, thought, I told you to do some research why didn't, why didn't you learn that i know the answer don't worry you just can't share it because you don't know if i'm 42 <laughs> i know don't don't test me like that <laughs> um, good well we've covered quite a lot there actually in a short space of time i think there's a few other subcategories we've touched upon the kind of the superhuman striving for eternity and how ai can kind of merge into that be it with medical advances and otherwise um a nice little fun one that i came across um from a medicinal perspective was viagra and you'll see this is a common trend with lots of drugs be it like cannabis as well if i start with viagra originally it was developed as a cardiovascular um, drug so in particular to help with chest pain angina um and high blood pressure but during testing it was duly noted that it had a more significant effect on male erections <laughs> um and such i was just i just did a bit of research it was fda approved in 1998 since which um i'm told it's been very popular <laughs> um so it's just kind of an example of how a medicine there is being used to enhance human performance, which you see in many aspects. Sports a great example, be it, you know, blood doping um, and all that kind of drug misuse in sport, which is basically there to enhance, again, human performance. Um, and we suppose we don't really think of that as 
trying to strive for superhuman nature, but in effect it is. Um, you could argue even things like, you know, taking supplement supplements that are technically legal could fall into that category. It's all there trying to basically make us better than standard human without any external elements could be. And then when we get the, the we get better quality equipment to improve us, is the slippery slope down to our conjoining with technology? So it starts off with Viagra, you end up with um, get people with an amputated leg have a robotic leg or a, a Luke Skywalker wrist, um, and it ends up being with a neural link in your brain, and you can get the internet behind your eyes, and you can. Yeah, or when your body caves in, do you transfer your brain into a fishbowl and keep going like that? <laughs> it does. It's the ethical dilemma, is it? At what point do you say, "Well, hang on"? If we all live forever, well, my first point is population. I mean, we're kind of in trouble as it is already, but if you keep going for that, at what point does it become unethical to want to live longer than our life expectancies already are from a pragmatic perspective, from an environmental perspective? There's all those ethical questions and moral dilemmas that come into that once you get this even more enhanced level of human and medical advances it's kind of a it's kind of on a pivot as such well it's i mean it's already it's already increased massively they say the first person to be born to 200 has already been born and that's just with current medical advancement that's been going on for the last 50 years whatever um but when they do like you were just saying the massive population increase when everyone can stay alive for essentially just keep them going for as long as they want. Um, that's going to have to come at a time when space travel and you can colonize other planets. Cause otherwise, like say, yeah, the, like the resources of this planet can't hardly support the 7 billion who are on here. So when we've got everyone living till 200, 300 years, um, that is going to provide an issue. But then you, then you could argue that the advancement in technology that we make, and there's always that overlap, like you were saying, with medicine. Um, but in terms of, so we get the technology to a point where AI in particular could then work on other problems for us. And it's, as we're saying, it's very good at solving one problem. So if we got an artificial intelligence up to a point where it could solve the problem of, you know, efficient space travel, um, bioforming different planets, then that would be an answer to the issue. Yeah. I mean, touching on last week's episode with conspiracy theories, you know, when you always hear those rumblings about how oh, some medical company or country already has the key to, I don't know, be it eternal life or near eternal life, but they're withholding it from, in particular, the third world countries, because if, you know, the third world countries get hold of it, then the Western world as such will have to share you know, the world, be it in economic or environmental aspects, moreover than it already does. And so therefore it's deliberately withholding such information to keep the status quo. Yeah, I mean... You like to think that wouldn't be the case, be it with any medical advances, but you can certainly see how vested interests would potentially impinge on that. 
Well, it's like even with there's been claims that they've got the cure to cancer. Yeah, and that's had it for that's years. An example. Yeah, and there's that um, there's that quote from that. So I've seen the video. It's like a legit doctor. Well, you they say legit, so you never really know. And he's saying he's basically coming out saying there's more money in treating a disease than curing a disease. So that's why they're not that gonna. Is, that is a very good point. Um, from my experience, I think I've mentioned I mentioned it before, maybe about say um, cholesterol and diabetes are cracking examples. If you give someone the wrong types of food, aka pretty much a Western diet now, and they get diabetes, and then you treat them for life on metformin, or you treat their high cholesterol with a statin, you're making a hell of a lot of money, hell a lot of money out of millions of people on those medications for life, as opposed to curing them with merely altering their diet which may or may not be the case for diabetes with like a more keto based diet and so therefore like you said it's it's actually it's not in a company's interest particularly pharmaceuticals to cure a disease when you can control a disease yeah um brings us back to the coronavirus control the disease (laughs) delete (laughs) finish episode now um, that, that might be a timely voice for us to finish up. Um, so we, we did manage to avoid the C word this week um, with both our meme choice and general discussion, actually. So I think that's an achievement as far as current podcasts go in the given climate. I think, oh yeah, we're going to be scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel next week, can't we? <laughs> I'm sure we can come up with something. Oh, you didn't even mention your meme generator. Oh, yeah, that's... Let's do that quickly before we finish. Yeah, a funny little thing I found. Um, so, <laughs> so this is essentially an AI meme generator where it, it draws from hundreds of millions of like public meme captions. Is that it? And sets them. <laughs> Sorry? I said, is that it? <laughs> it basically sets. <laughs> um, it sets these captions to the background of. 48 of the most popular meme templates. So such ones include um, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Great Gatsby, um, cheersing you with a champagne glass, or um, the one that I find really funny is, you know, the guys shouting at each other. It's a really famous meme where it's, um, I want to get a job. You need experience to get a job. <laughs> I need a job to get experience. But I need to get that sort of thing. So it's those guys. And the captions... I just clearly where the AI is completely misunderstood human human society because so for example um, the caption on Leo is when you see your favourite actor is a country <laughs> it's got him cheersing in the background um, but then this same, the same software used to create these deep um, these fake memes um, I just they just tickled me there's loads of them online. Um, so that's, that's our viewers' homework for this week, basically. That's the homework. But the bigger issue here is that... But it's not homework because it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Um, the bigger issue is that the same technology is creating... I don't know if you've seen, there's, there's like deep fake... They're called deep fakes in like the porn industry. and Well, like Scarlett Johansson's face, for example, was essentially photoshopped onto a porn actress and there's been loads of cases uh, of this. Yeah, right. and create fake news broadcasts. Um, it's just a bit of a, a dangerous I mean a little a light hearted funny funny one but also 
you know, bit, can be a bit dangerous in the wrong hands. And that perfectly highlights AI and the dilemma. Yeah, well, as long as it's in our hands, it should be relatively safe, but it's when it's in its own hands, and we're in its hands, and that's the issue. Too many hands. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you like, have you got any final remarks? I think that's covered most of them. Some nice examples in there. Bit of silliness, as usual, dusted over. I think it's a nice combination. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week, mate. Been a pleasure, as always. Never a chore. Uh.